No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. He follows the philosophy rooted in his tax experience of, it's not what you make, but what you keep. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert, Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear it. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We're here for you every week for your fiscal fitness and your financial education on the radio. Brian, let's talk about some of the things going on in uh, the news today, current events. OPEC back in the news there. I guess gasoline prices are going up, and uh, I don't know, have you noticed that gasoline prices have risen roughly about a dollar in the past six months to a year or so? Yeah, and that's probably not really unexpected, OPEC or not. I mean, when you cut down the the pipelines and so forth, uh, the administration is not pro-fossil fuels, and so that that's not a big surprise. What's in, I read something interesting the other day, though. There was this, uh, I guess, uh, these people really, you know, electric cars, great. Okay, that's the answer. Well, they were asked, where do you think uh, the energy comes to get the electricity? Uh kind of dumbfounded. Just plug it in. Well, roughly 80% (laughs) is what I understand of the energy to run electric cars comes from fossil fuels because we don't have the capacity of solar and wind and green energy to run electric cars. So, you know, okay, I feel great. I'm not burning fossil fuels when I drive my electric car. Well, someone had to burn fossil fuels to get the electricity for you to drive your electric car. That's true. So let's get down to the the basis here and, and, and understand that this is a complex issue. You just can't mandate, oh, electricity is going to be uh, automatic and we're just going to create it out of nothing, out of wind and, and sun. Well, uh, you know, I look around and on a day like this, the, the wind is, uh, you know, <laughs> often zero. Uh, the sun is often zero. I mean, that's just not realistic uh, at this point in time. 
Well, the alternatives to electricity, of course, as you mentioned, is wind and solar. And as you said, I mean, we see those windmills in some parts of the country. But really, a windmill like that really doesn't provide that much electricity, does it? No, not at this point. We just aren't there. So, you know, again, we can, it can sound great. Uh, let's mandate, you know, 100% of cars be electric by the year 2035 or whatever. I'm a governor of a state and I've just mandated that. Well, as a governor of the state, I'd also think you should be a scientist or some kind of engineer to figure out, okay, don't just mandate that. How about mandating how you get there and what it's going to take to get there and not just be kind of silly and just think you have you know, this isn't Harry Potter where you, you take your little wand and, and you shake it around and go, you know, create electricity out of nothing. If We had to get there. So often with complex problems, I think often politicians just go to the, the sound bites and make it sound good. And then but they ignore kind of well, what is it going to take to fix that and really get there? Now, there's and then there's a lot to that. So we need to maybe spend a little more time on the cause and effect rather than just the effect. Solar, has solar become really that much of a player in terms of energy? Well, I mean, all of them are a player, but, you know, just because they're a player, you know, and let's say they're 1%. Well, that's a player, but, you know, for these mandates that I've been reading about that governors are passing, to accomplish that, it's going to have to be more like 20%, not 1%. Well, that's 20x. I'm just throwing numbers out of the air. I don't know. But it's going to have to be a lot, lot, lot more than what we have now. And, you know, you got airplanes. You're never going to power an airplane with solar power. I mean, and even making things like electric cars. I mean, that is made by fossil fuels. I mean, that's that's what you need, the the equipment to make them, to get the high heats and to melt the, the steel, you know, everything, all this stuff. So, you know, if you're... I. I get it. It's great that we're, we're moving that direction and all of that, and, and we'll do our part. Uh, you know, global warming, I'd say, is pretty real, just judging by recent temperatures. And mm-hmm. But, you know, the cause and effect there is, is, you know, the cause is mostly China and India so and Brazil uh, cutting down forests. So, you know, I applaud us, you know, having good hearts, I guess, and, and wanting to do the right thing. But uh, without getting to the cause, root causes of, of the issues, we're kind of missing the boat, I think. When you invest in the energy sector, Brian, exactly what are you investing in? Well, uh, you're primarily investing in fossil fuels. Now, there are investments you can make into uh, either individual companies that you've researched or more easily maybe into a fund, uh, an exchange-traded fund of clean energy companies. Because often with a burgeoning industry, we don't know who the winner is going to be. I mean, way back when, you might have said, well, I got all these car manufacturers I can buy. And I can buy this one named Edsel yeah. or this one named <laughs> Nash. Studebaker. Studebaker, yeah. Nash, yeah. Ford guy. I, uh, you know, (laughs) yeah, you don't know who's going to be the winner. And so you might kind of spread your risk out by buying a fund and hope that the sector is going to be winner. So you can buy clean energy. You can buy water funds. You can buy buy about anything with an ETF. You can buy a solar fund or you can buy a fund that kind of mixes them all. You can do one that's just domestic. And if you are going to invest in this, I would I would consider domestic over a global because globally they don't have the mandates in place that the U.S. is placing. So supply and demand will kick it up, as we've seen recently. If demand is high and, and you have supply chain disruption, prices go up. Well, if demand is high because of legislation, then prices are bound to go up because we don't have the supply to supply that those mandates. And we're not even close. And so they're going to have to overpay just 
just to even get close. And so I would prefer a domestic fund because you can't ship energy really you know, across the, the, the water, the pond there. So I would prefer a domestic fund over an international fund. We're talking about current events with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Let's talk about inflation. That is something that's just not going away, is it? No. And I've been talking about that for, I don't know, six months that whatever is being reported is being underreported. I'm telling you. And it's the same thing with housing prices. I've been saying that too for, for months. Appraisals are coming in low because they're looking at prices, you know, a year ago or six months ago or whatever. Things have changed. The world has changed and prices are going to change. Supply chain disruption is not a two month thing. We get back on board. We had too many people leave the workforce and they aren't coming back to the same jobs they had. In fact, because of uh, legislature again, a lot of people haven't come back at all because of unemployment benefits being extended over and over federally on top of the state. It's not worth it to them to come back. That's why it's so hard to get into a restaurant anymore or, you know, just get basic services that you used to take for granted and be able to shop around. Now you're lucky to get anybody to call you back. So, no, inflation's real. It's here. We'll, we'll talk about interest rates and bond yields in a second. But, yeah, inflation's real. Whatever's being reported is understated. I've been saying that over and over and over, and, and uh, so far I've been right. But you know it. You go out and spending money, you go huh, I don't remember being that much two years ago. I remember going out to dinner and it was 45 bucks tax and tip, and now it's 85 or yeah. whatever it is. That seems like more than 4% increase. Is this recent inflation that we're having here related to supply chain problems still? Somewhat supply chain, somewhat uh, what the government does, you know, the unintended consequences of helping people out. Uh, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. We don't want to go back to work, as I mentioned before, if we're getting paid more to stay home. But uh, some of it's supply chain. A lot of it's just we've had a paradigm shift to things that used to not be as important. Uh, you know, you, you live in a house and uh, it's in disrepair. Over here. I probably need to get that. I got a honeydew list. Maybe I'll get to it when I retire. Maybe not. Well, now all of a sudden it was front and center. Everybody was like, well, I'm going to do this because this is where I spend all my time. And so everybody's honey-do list became a honey-do-it-today list, right. you know. And, and so everybody's, you know, and then we had supply chain on top of that, disruptions. Another piece of it is the affluence of our society. Now, 10 years ago, you look at your own net worth. If you're listening right now, compare it to today and you'll be going, oh, wow, it is so much higher, and it's so much higher than I ever thought it'd be. I have so much more disposable income and or assets that I can put into things that I value. So we have a lot of wealth chasing a finite set of goods and services, and so that creates price increases. And talking about employment, Brian, I mean, we've talked about this in the show before. There's so many businesses that really are looking for employees. They're now offering signing bonuses, and they're still not able to get people to go to work for these jobs, it would seem that there should be almost zero unemployment with the number of jobs that are available. But the root cause, again, as you said, is I think people are being paid more to stay home than they are to work. But I think that that is a situation that's really going to explode one day, maybe sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, you know, that will run out, I suspect, at some point here. And, and those people get back in the job market there. Uh, although my, my 16 year old's looking for his first job. So your first job's a little tougher to get. I will say that. So sure. trying to help him out with that, trying to figure out uh, what he can do. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that some of this will resolve itself, uh, once the feds pull out of the employment business as much as they've been involved through COVID here. Some of that will be resolved. But again, we've had a paradigm shift and things are different and, 
people have more money to spend. So, for instance, I was talking to my friend in Kauai the other day, and the hotels there are 100% occupied. Wow. There isn't a rental car available this month on the island. I don't know how any tourist is going to get around. There is no cars. The restaurants, you have to book weeks in advance wow. to get a seat. Wow. They don't have enough workers, and a lot of them closed down due to COVID. Oh my gosh. So she said, we got 100% occupancy here, and we have eight missed restaurants, and most of them are in limited service anyway, and still limited seating. So, you know, stuff like that is not going to go away anytime soon. And so you've got all these people that want to go out and, and can afford it. They can't even get to the restaurant. They can't get a car. And if they got there, they go, oh, uh, two weeks we can get you in. Yeah, but I'm hungry now. <laughs> well, there's a convenience store where they will buy some poi, you know, and yeah. you know, knock yourself out and pineapple and, you know, whatever. And so, no, this this is real. It's, it's going to offer a lot of opportunities for savvy business people and entrepreneurs to see a need and fill it, I think, certainly. But during the shifting piece right now, it's, it's going to cause a little pain. So the hospitality industry is really trying to rebound. I mean, I think airline reservations are tremendously up. But again, uh, airlines are having to cancel flights because they don't have enough pilots. And I read someplace where executives were actually handling baggage these days, too. That's another area that is of great concern to me. Yeah, all of that is true. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think American canceled like 300 flights the other day. And, and yeah, the executives are trying to do the baggage and, and all of that. Uh, you know, it used to be entry-level people, and they get a job doing that. And, sure. uh, you know, there were tons of jobs uh, available, and they'd fill them. And now they're not filling them. And, and it's, again, unintended consequences of the government. You know, I suppose people have passed the rule. Uh, you know, it's nice that you give somebody unemployment that needs it. I, I understand that. But we have to be careful about giving it to people that absolutely don't need it and could be there taking these jobs. So it's just an opinion there. But yeah, so there's been a, a lot of shift. I've I've still I've was able to stay out of tax season where I'm at here though. I didn't have to do any tax returns again this year. <laughs> Good for you. That's about 20 years now. I've been able to yeah. uh, not have to come back and do a tax return. But who knows? Someday I may have to sharpen my pencil and, and get back to work. All right. Well, there are a lot of good people here who handle those, and I uh, witness them every day working on people's taxes. So many people filed extensions, so they're still pretty busy here at Bauer Evans CPAs. You're listening to Brian Evans with Growing Your Wealth. We're glad you could join us again this week. If you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, you have at least $500,000 to invest Call Madrona Financial to get your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation plan. You can call 844-MADRONA or request it online by visiting madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. Brian, we'll be right back with more of our show after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. When you need something important done around the house, you call a professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on, or even if it's right for them? Madrona Financial Services is made of a team of professionals that will create a retirement plan as individual as you are and make sure your financial foundation is clear to you every step of the way. Call them today at 844-MADRONA for a no-obligation retirement readiness review. They'll learn about what you want most out of retirement, plus you'll get an investment and retirement analysis and a tax analysis. You've worked hard to earn it and save it. Take the time to have the right professionals help you keep it and grow it. Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. 
That's madronafinancial.com. If the fuel gauge in your car was broken, would you know how far you could drive before running out of gas? You know, not knowing how long your money will last in retirement is a lot like driving a car with a broken fuel gauge. You just don't know how far you can go. At Madrona Financial Services, we want you to know that there's no need to live with the stress of uncertainty. At Madrona Financial, we have insurance-based solutions that can guarantee lifetime income, protect you from market losses, and even provide for your loved ones. And as a CPA and personal financial specialist, we scrutinize every product we offer. If you want to learn how to create a secure lifetime income stream, protect your money from market losses, provide for your loved ones, and potentially reduce your tax burden, schedule your complimentary meeting today. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us at madronafinancial.com. We'll arrange a meeting at one of our three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion on current events. And Brian, we were talking off the air just a moment ago about the fact that you and I are old fogies, I guess, at this point, because I'm a little resentful that, you know, I have to come to work every day. I've got to do my job. I save a lot of money out to pay my taxes, and it seems to me that uh, I'm just being for people who really decide that they don't want to go to work, and it, it seems like an unfair situation. Is this something that you think we're going to see as a wave of the future? Is this going to stay? Well, I feel your pain. I'm an old fogey, too, and not only what you just said, but it certainly bothers me that what I'm hearing out of Washington is the solution to all of our problem is to really sock it to entrepreneurs hmm. and raise their tax rates, raise taxes on investors, take away generational transfer, make it transfer uh, with a step-up in basis, make sure people transfer their wealth to the government instead of their children, take money away from, again, entrepreneurs, long-term investors by more than doubling their tax bracket. And then the state of Washington, Jay Inslee, says, well, that isn't enough. I promise to tax you at over 50% once you get the federal rate if you're an investor. I'll take away. It's kind of like, you know, if, if I'm fishing and I'm the only person in town with a fishing pole and I catch 100 fish a day and I share them with the, the village, now, uh, you know, the politicians and including uh, Governor Inslee, come along and say, now, I need that pole. I said, well, <laughs> what's everybody going to eat? Yeah, uh, right. Well, we got 100 fish. We're fine. I mean, the short-sighted nature of politicians sometimes just irks me to no end. You can't take away the fisherman's fishing pole. It doesn't make sense long-term. Short-term, sure, you sell the pole, you make a few bucks, you buy 300 fish. And, and you last three more days. But you can't take away the job creator's capital to create more jobs. And that's what job creators do. So, yeah, this stuff just drives me nuts that they keep going back to the wells and, well, we'll just tax those folks more. Oh, let's raise a B&O tax for the right to do business. Brian, you only pay 150000 a year. Let's let's make that 300000 a year for the right to do business in the state of Washington. And, and let's take half, more than half of your money. I know you've been working hard and weekends and nights and Saturdays and taking all the risk and, and all of that. But we need more than you need when, when you have uh, gains from your business. I'm like, 
what? You know, it just it just doesn't seem right. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. This doesn't work, and people will change things. People will move. People, you know, we're already seeing it in this country, and we're going to see more of it. I think going forward, it's going to be a big topic if if some of this stuff goes through. It hasn't all gone through yet, and Governor Inslee's proposal for capital gains is unconstitutional by every measure. Everybody knows it. You can't just change semantics, and you know, all of a sudden, uh, an income tax is now a oh, I don't know, an excise tax? No, no, it's not. <laughs> so hopefully the courts will they'll get somebody that's, you know, not politically minded to actually rule on that. It would be ruled on constitutional, and then I don't have to get my blood pressure up when we talk about it. <laughs> yeah, Washington used to be a tax-friendly state, but it's becoming uh, very much uh, like California in terms of taxes. And as a result of that, the job creators uh, are looking to maybe move to other parts of the country where it is more tax-friendly. So certainly the state of Washington has its problems, and we hope that you know sensible heads do prevail there. Speaking of taxes, I read about a 15% corporate corporate tax rate globally. Yeah, and and just one last point on the state of Washington. I would say about one out of two or more of my higher net worth clients, our discussion at some point has been within the last six months where I'm going to live. It's not going to be in the state of Washington or as I get older because they don't want to pay that owner's estate tax that only Washington and a few other states have at this low level. They don't want to give 20% of their money to the state of Washington on top of whatever the feds are going to try and take, especially if they eliminate step up in basis and they want, you know, close to half of your money when you pass away or more with the federal. I mean, we, we could be looking at people at higher brackets and so forth trying to pass money on to their heirs, uh, tax at 70, 80% wow. at some point. They're not going to stay. They're going to go. Uh, they're, they're wanting to leave the state of Washington. Uh, they're talking about, you know, whether it's Idaho, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, uh, wherever it is. If the federals do the same thing, I've even had some discussions about other countries uh, that they're going to move to and get out of that. So people will move if you make taxes bad enough. So now the talk is about the, the minimum global corporate tax. And which is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So major large corporations, it must be hard to move all of your operations to a whole nother country. But once the taxes get too high, you go, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. And they did. And they moved to Ireland and other countries. And Ireland was offering low rates. So they, they said, fine, I am leaving the United States. I'm a global U.S. publicly traded company. I am going to pick up all of our jobs and move them all to Belfast or wherever because your taxes aren't so onerous. That's exactly what this is. And now they're going, oh, wait a second. We lost all these companies because we had our tax rates too high. Uh, we got to get, get everybody to, to level the playing field so the U.S. can be competitive. And at the same time, they're in Congress going, we need to raise the corporate uh, rates and the individual rates and the capital gains rates and step up in basis. That won't have an unintended consequence. Huh? Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course it's going to have an unintended consequence. Just think this stuff through. Let's do away with Section 1031 exchanges so no one tries to sell their rental houses anymore. I'm sure that will help the housing market. Yeah. My goodness, Jeff. I, uh, yeah, this this must be blood pressure up Brian Day, I, I think. You're just talking uh, yeah, about this stuff. Pass the blood pressure medication today. 
That's what I really like about this show is that, you know, we talk about things financial that people can use to get through retirement, but we also talk about the current events and the things that cause, uh, you know, have some sort of effect on people's retirement as well, too. So this is always a favorite part of the show here. So let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about bond yields. I mean, back around 1981 or so, I remember bond yields were somewhere in the vicinity of, what, 15% or so? Yeah, what are they, they were definitely double digits. Yeah. Um, what are they today? Well, I, I've got a quiz for you. What do the following countries have in common? The countries are Belgium, Denmark, Slovenia, Austria, Finland, Slovakia, and the Netherlands. Well, I was going to say great chocolate, but maybe well, that, <laughs> that, that may be in cold weather. Um, you have to pay them to keep their money for 10 years. They yeah. have negative 10-year yields. I left Germany and Switzerland off because that would have been a giveaway. Yeah. But uh, Slovenia, you have to pay to hang on to your money for 10 years. I'll give you 100000 What would you give me, Slovenia, in 10 years <laughs> back after 10 year I uh, buy your 10-year bonds? Well, we'll give you back 99000 Wow. Um, and I'm even looking at some of the, you know, the, the, the answer to the next question will kind of do a Jeopardy thing or whatever the game show is. And I'm looking at the United States bond uh, yield, what we have to pay for our 10-year bonds. The countries that have lower yields than the U.S. also include Bulgaria, Cyprus, Croatia, Malta, Latvia, Greece, Canada, all have lower 10-year yields than the United States. And the United States is right around uh, between, uh, right around one and a quarter for a ten-year yield. So you go out and buy a, let's say you buy a ten-year bond, you can make one and a quarter percent for ten years. Huh. The bond will go up in value if that rate drops for new bonds, uh, but it goes down in value if it doesn't. Bond investing is going to be pretty tricky from this point forward, I'm, I'm going to say. So you might want to find some alternatives. Brian, with bond rates being so low, as you said, 1%, something like that. I mean, do bonds have any part of a portfolio these days? Can you see any upside to them whatsoever? Upside, you know, I guess rates could go down more. So it's not necessarily my prediction. Every study you would read says bonds have a place, but that's coming from a place where they were double-digit yields going to where they are today. So, you know, I think a paradigm shift, you know, bonds don't create profits. They don't create new product or innovation. They don't do anything. They just pay an interest rate. And their prices are, are based on what current yields are and the quality of the bonds. And so the ratings. And so I, I just don't, don't know that uh, it's a one of the advantages, I guess, to bonds is that it does have some yield and they're relatively stable in valuation. So if you don't have fixed index annuities and universal life and other things you think are stable, this is a place where you can go for stability and get some yield. So that's what that's its purpose. But I think its purpose is maybe not as effective today in, in this year as it has been in prior years. Brian, earlier you mentioned alternatives to bonds. What are some alternatives? Well, certainly, you know, we're, we're talking about alternatives to bonds and stocks. I mean, stocks are, are what they are. We, we all know that they can be very volatile. and But over long term, you know, they have a generally a very good return depending on your time period. Uh, some alternatives are real estate, whether active or passive or Delaware statutory trust or REITs and that kind of thing. Uh, some alternatives, uh, certainly fixed index annuities are the primary alternative in, in my world in that they also are trying to limit risk 
And fixed index annuities have certain components. Bonds do not. One is you can get lifetime cash flow guaranteed no matter how long you live. You can even get potentially increasing lifetime cash flow for as long as you live. And you can even sometimes get a, a extended death benefit or that kind of thing. So, you know, universal life, uh, universal life maybe sometimes even has a long-term care rider, which can even get you out of the new Washington state tax on long-term care. So there's there's a lot of alternatives out there to bonds. I didn't mention really CDs and money market because they don't really pay much, but you know, they're an alternative too. The money market might be more liquid if, if you won't just kind of want to hang on to your money and find an opportunity here in the future. Yeah, with CD rates so low, I mean, you'd be better off uh, investing in uh, nostalgic compact disc. They may bring you more on <laughs> eBay than CDs these days. Rates certainly are very, very low. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Once again, if you have at least $500,000 to invest, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, contact Madrona Financial to get your complimentary, no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. Call 844-MADRONA or request it online by visiting madronafinancial.com. Time for another break. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. When you're researching something, weeding through all the available information can be daunting, especially when it concerns your retirement. What you want is a thorough analysis from an expert. Good news. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services has done that for you in his recently published ebook series, Inside Retirement Investing, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. You can get your free copy by calling 844-MADRONA today or visit madronafinancial.com to download your free copy. The Inside Retirement Investing ebook series covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to investing to taxes and so much more. Call now to secure your free copy, 844-MADRONA. Madrona Financial Services provides a one-stop integrated approach to retirement planning. Schedule a complimentary no-obligation financial review to get on the path to achieving your retirement goals and get your free copy of the Inside Retirement Investing eBooks by calling 844-MADRONA or by visiting madronafinancial.com. If taxes are keeping you from selling your highly appreciated income property, Madrona Financial Services has an exciting offer for commercial real estate owners. We have a team that's solely dedicated to helping real estate investors defer the taxes on the sale of their highly appreciated income property with a Delaware statutory trust. A DST qualifies as a 1031 like-kind exchange, so you can potentially defer your gains and reinvest them in income-producing commercial properties. And best of all, you can invest in a DST without any of the hassles or responsibilities of being a landlord or property manager. When you work with Madrona Financial Services, you'll be working with a team of CPAs and investment advisors with extensive DST experience. Now, you have the freedom to sell your highly appreciated income property, still enjoy the benefits of investing in real estate, and potentially defer the taxes on your income property with a 1031 exchange. Learn more at 844-MADRONA or visit us at madrona1031.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona Bundle of Services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about Seattle area home prices. And Brian, home prices are still climbing in Seattle, but are really soaring outside of the city in Snohomish and Pierce counties. And it seems in some areas I have read that home prices have increased, believe it or not, 30 to 40 percent year to year. Yeah, that is accurate. And this is kind of in line with what we've been kind of noticing, uh, certainly over this last year on the show, that uh, Seattle itself, Seattle proper, I'm looking at the percentage change from last year, June 2021 is, is the date of the stat from June 2020. And the median price in Seattle is up 11%. So you're going to go, oh, okay, well, Seattle's not suffering from any of this this negative stuff that's been going on there. People must like living in Seattle. Well, that is true to some degree. Prices are up. However, go east of Seattle to the east side. Prices, instead of being up 11%, are up a mere 39.6% wow. on average year over year. From 976,000 on average to 1,364. Now, the average Seattle house is only 890. And what I find interesting in these stats, I'm going to pull a couple of things I find interesting. North King County is the to- at the top of the list. It's up 42.3% year over year. The average house in North King County is 925, which is more than the average house in Seattle. I hmm. find that stat really interesting. Also, Snohomish County, I mean, a lot of people are looking north to Snohomish County, too, and prices there are up even more, it seems like. Yeah, uh, Snohomish County also has seen uh, similar increases. Of course, it depends on where you are in the county. But the average house in King County last year went from 725 to 860. The average house in Snohomish County went up a much higher percentage from 541 to 716. So we saw a much higher increase. That That's uh, well over $150,000 on average for a house, whereas the increase in King County was under 150000 So, yeah, Snohomish County was actually higher than the average increase in King County, a lot of this having to do with COVID and the effects of that, uh, one of which there is I can uh, leave my little apartment in Seattle that I'm paying $4,000 a month to rent, and I can buy a house in Snohomish County, and instead of worrying about the commute, I can work from home three or four days a week and uh, just go in the office one or two days. I can deal with that, but instead of renting, I'm buying. And so that's the a big impetus behind the enormous increase in, in prices in Snohomish County. Now, Brian, I live in Snohomish County, and I have never in my 10, 11 years that I have lived in Snohomish County seen so many for sale signs on lawns. People are looking to, you know, get these high inflated prices for their homes, but I've got to wonder if they get these prices, what are they going to do with that money? Have they even thought that far ahead? Well, hopefully. I mean, uh, generally speaking, you know, we we see these shifts happen because I've had a lot of people say, I'm going to sell. Well, one of the things I've heard is I'm going to sell and wait for prices to drop and then buy back in low. And I went, whoa, 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 let's think about this strategy. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I I don't have a crystal ball, but pretty smart guy. I think prices are up, going up, and they're going to not go down for a while. So uh, uh, I don't think that's a great strategy. Getting out of a market that's you know going up for so many good reasons. We have a great job market in the Puget Sound area. It's a great place to live, and you know the, with with the 
ability to work remotely. People don't have to live downtown anymore, and we're going to see that sprawl happen, and prices are going to go up, and they're going to stay up, I, I suspect, for quite some time. You know, one of the things I read in an article was uh, it slowed down because it used to be, what, what were they talking about, Jeff, uh, how many people were offering on a house and how much it is now? Yeah, they're used to, I mean, people are saying it's getting better. They used to have 10 offers on a house. Now there's only six. Yeah, six <laughs> offers uh, over asking in a bidding war. Right. With six people instead of 10 people. Well, that still kind of gets you in the same place in the end because all you need is two right. in a bidding war. And if you got six, uh, it's going to be ridiculous. You have 10, it's going to be ridiculous too, probably about the same. So I, I think that one of the things I've been hearing from my clients that are uh, thinking about selling, uh, they're they're moving out of state. They're they're done with the politics of Washington. Maybe they want to take their money and run. They want to go to where th- things are quieter. You know, some might be looking north like you you can't go too far north. You can't go to Bellingham. There's nothing available there. It's right. boomed out of control there. Maybe Mount Vernon. I've heard that. Uh, but most of the time I hear like uh, Idaho Falls or, or mm-hmm. you know, it used to be Boise. Uh, but those prices, you know, almost doubled this last year. So they were way worse than the east side as far as price increase. So that thing's off. Coeur d'Alene and all those places. You, have, you think you're getting a deal there now? I uh, think again. So now they're even going, yeah, I can say that Idaho Falls or uh, Pocatello or wherever like that or or different parts of the country. Uh, but even Phoenix is booming. So that, yeah. that used to be something, Scottsdale and all that. So yeah, they're finding their little pockets of places that, that they might be able to move. Now, one of the in, uh, interesting stats from all this also is we talked about the paradigm shift. I'm going to prove that out here, that where we live has become so much more important and, and the, our lifestyle at home has become a priority, whereas before it wasn't necessarily as much of a priority. So if I look on the east side, I mentioned that the increase uh, year over year of single family residents is up 39.6%. Well, okay, they, people need a place to live. Great. What about condos on the east side? Is it also 39.6 increase? No, 9.5. Hmm. So again, it's we have had a paradigm shift. Otherwise, they would be similar in my estimation as far as price increase. People want a yard. They want a garage. Their house to have extra bedroom for guests or right. and their kids and all that stuff. They don't want to be stuck in the downtown. They don't want to be in an apartment. They don't want to be in a condo. It feels like an apartment. They want something different. And so we've seen that happen too. Yeah, and if you go on YouTube, which I've done, and uh, search for Boise... Idaho home prices uh, video pops up uh, from the governor of Idaho who says, hey, we're not too fond of you people from Washington and California coming over here, so just stay where you are. <laughs> we're not welcome in that part of the country. Well, most of my clients are welcome in those parts of the country because they, they probably don't agree with uh, politics as much as, mm-hmm. as uh, that uh, we have in the state. With the soaring home prices, soaring real estate prices, Brian, does this present any opportunities for people who are looking to invest in real estate? I don't think prices are going to go down. The only time I can remember that prices dropped in real estate was during the big housing bust of around 2008, 2009. Do these prices present buying opportunities? Well, that's interesting you mentioned 08. And this is what happens. If prices go up and people go, you know what? I'm going to become a real estate person. And I'm like, okay, what's your training? Huh? <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, I read I read one of those get rich quick on real estate, flipping your house or whatever. And I went to two seminars and they gave me a certificate and they charged me a grand for it. I'm like, huh, um, I don't think you're qualified. 
And so what we saw in 2007 and people coming out of the woodwork deciding, I'm a genius in real estate. I'm just going to buy houses because houses go up 25% a year. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. And so they did. And, of course, they got hammered. And they went bankrupt after that and go, huh, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, yeah, you didn't know what you're doing. There's a lot to that industry. You don't just, just because you you own a house that's gone up in value doesn't mean you did anything special to do that. Okay, your timing was good. Great. But it's a business. And if you don't know how to run a business, then you probably shouldn't be in that business. So if you want to get into real estate, there are always deals. I don't care what the prices are. There are always ways to make money in real estate. There are always ways to lose money in real estate, too, if you don't know what you're doing. So make sure that you have treat it like a business. Don't just decide one day, crown yourself the real estate guru or the you know Puget Sound and go out and buy real estate. Uh, put some thought into what it takes to be successful. Maybe partner up with the right people. Uh, treat it like a business. Brian, are there opportunities to invest in funds that invest in these inflated housing prices? What I mean by that is there are funds that buy up these houses and hold them for a while and enjoy the profits. Well, there are you know REITs and and uh, whether publicly traded or private non traded and DSTs that buy real estate generally in other parts of the country, not in this area. So I, w- I wouldn't see that. But, you know, there's opportunity across the country. Seattle is no longer the number one real estate market as it was for several years. Now it's uh, probably uh, actually increasing with that last year's 11% increase. I'd say most of the country went up at least that much. And so they're they're back to average now uh, relative as opposed to North King County, the east side or anywhere around Seattle, which, again, is interesting because as I look at these other major areas, they, they vary from 20 percent year over year to 42 in North King County. And then Seattle's down there at 11. So we are seeing a, a shift from Seattle to the outlying areas and from Washington to the rest of the country. And, and we're seeing that across the country. So there's always, again, Jeff, always opportunity in real estate. You got to pick the right one. And we don't always know what that is. That's why we sometimes diversify. But uh, if we do our homework and make uh, good decisions and find the right operators and and the right funds, the right type of real estate, uh, at least what we think is at the time, then, you know, I've seen a lot of successful investments in that. But again, if you're going to be the active participant in running the real estate, you better know what you're doing. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs on our show, Growing Your Wealth. If you have at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, contact Madrona Financial to get your complimentary, no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. Call 844-MADRONA to request it, or you can go online and visit madronafinancial.com. Brian, time for a break. We'll be right back with the last segment of our show after this. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. And now here's Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial Services. Here's Brian Evans. This week, I'm talking about the four retirement mistakes to avoid. On the first day, I talked about not having a tax minimization strategy and having investments, perhaps, that can generate income tax-free income in retirement. Yesterday, I I talked about having uh, inflation embedded in your plan, making sure you account for that because inflation is back and it's probably here to stay. The third one I want to talk about today is having a Social Security maximization strategy. Now, this can be more of an art than a 
science. Uh, certainly on paper, I could probably punch it out and I could tell you that if you wait to take your social security versus taking it early, you'll have taken the same amount out of the system by about the age of 79. And so if you plan on living, you know, if you think you're going to live past age 79, you're probably better off waiting. But if you need the money to live on and you say, well, that's great, I'll have more money when I'm older, but exactly what am I supposed to use to buy groceries in my 60s? Oh, well, if that's the case, maybe you should take it early. And so it's different for different people. I've certainly noticed that with a lot of my married couples, if the higher earner is older and maybe doesn't have as long of a life expectancy as their spouse, they might want to wait for that because then the, uh, when they pass away, the spouse gets the higher amount that the higher earner gets. Or conversely, if you're single, you might want to take it early because you're not leaving that behind. There's just a lot of nuances to social security maximization strategies. And so that is something though that you want to consider. Don't ignore that when you're planning for your retirement. Get your copy of Madrona's latest books, the Inside Retirement Investing Series. These books cover everything from the basics of retirement planning, investing, taxes, and so much more. Arm yourself with information. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy or visit madronafinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we'll be taking listener questions. And Brian, we get questions every week. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the air, you can go to madronafinancial.com and email us your question from there. Or if you'd like, you can call it in. Laura will take it for you upstairs. 844-MADRONA is the number to call. First question comes from Tim, and Tim is in West Seattle. He writes, I'm a big planner and always have been until recently, it seems. With a hot housing market, we went ahead and sold our primary house, our current house. We're now living in an apartment until my wife retires. She's going to retire in about two years. Then we're planning to move to our beach house. Now, we have a low-interest mortgage on our beach house, and we invest the proceeds from our main home sale. Our pensions cover the house note on the beach house and living expenses with a little tiny bit left over. Am I missing anything by not paying off the beach house mortgage? Well, you know, there's a couple things here. One is probably the beach house mortgage isn't giving you any tax deduction really because your standard deduction is higher because your your mortgage isn't very high. I would say that. So that's not that's one consideration. Another is people ask all the time, should I pay off my house? I say, well, what's your rate? And they say three and a half. I'm like, okay, if I were to offer you an investment at three and a half, would you take it? And some people say, absolutely, I would take that because I can't get that in safe investments and I want safe investments. And I say, well, then pay off your house and get a line of credit, a HELOC. You don't have to borrow on it, but have it available uh, so that if you needed the money, you can get to it easily and quickly. So that would be my advice to that person. Another person say, well, three and a half, I can do better than that, I think. And I say, okay, well, if you think you can do better than that, then maybe you don't want to pay it off. So it really depends on your alternative investments, your risk tolerance. Sounds like in this example, their cash flow is fine either way. That could have been a consideration. Taxation isn't really a consideration in this case either. So those are some of the things that, that would pop in my head as I'm having that discussion. Tim, thanks for the question. We'll send you out one of Brian's books, and we appreciate you listening to us in West Seattle. Next question, Brian, comes from Frank. Frank is in Lake Stevens, Washington, and he says many financial planning tools default to increasing Social Security benefits by 3 to 4% each year. 
I think he's talking about the cost of living adjustments there, the COLA. Is this a good assumption to use in planning, 3 to 4%? Uh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And, you know, I was talking to a nephew about he's just taking statistics in college. And I remember our textbook was How to Lie with Statistics. Uh, I can make any plan work or fail by changing something you don't even see. It's called the assumptions. If I assume a 8% increase in the stock market investments net of fees forever and 6% on your real estate, I will make that plan work. If I do uh, 1% or 2%, uh, I can make it not work. Uh, if I make inflation high and, and your increase in, in, in Social Security low, I can make it not work. So uh, the assumptions often are the invisible piece of a financial plan or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever you have that can really skew the results and make it uh, kind of uh, garbage in, garbage out. So this would be an example of a garbage in. Frank, thanks for that question. Your book is on the way to you. Next one comes from Michael, who's listening to us in Tacoma. And Michael says, I'm thinking of buying an existing business, but I don't know what things I need to know to determine if the seller's price is fair and what the potential the business has. By the way, it's a heating and air conditioning business. Boy, right now, I definitely think that's a good start, (laughs) heating air conditioning right now, especially with air conditioning. (laughs) Those guys are busy right now after our really hot summer we've had so far. But that's a great question. There's going to be a lot of this discussion coming up because baby boomers are trying to sell their businesses. Baby boomers, average age is 66, 67 right now. Prime retirement time for them. They want to sell their business for what they can get. So don't just buy a business because it's a business. A lot of businesses are just jobs, meaning that they work really hard and they make over the course of the year, they net you know $60,000. Well, they could have gone to work for some, but one of their competitors made more than that. So they don't even have a, they have a business, but it's not what I would deem a real business. There's no goodwill to it. It's not worth any more than a job is worth. So, and you take all the stress and risks. So that's not good. So the things that we do is we look at EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, with some adjustments for replacement and so forth, and figure out if there's excess earnings over and above what you can make uh, working at that job for someone else. Those excess earnings are what we might factor into some value of that, and we do a multiple of that. Uh, generally, that's you know, a starting point for that. So you got to get their tax returns, their financial statements back a couple years at least. Get some idea of what their growth is. Uh, do they have concentration of like one client? I looked at the CPA firm once and he was trying to sell it. He didn't have financials, which shocked me. He was a CPA. And 60% of his annual revenue came from his childhood buddy who had a business uh, 150 miles away. And right away, I knew that was going to go away. So what was I buying? And I wasn't buying anything. And it was a job. He didn't make any money. You know, I, was, I looked at that and said, I'm, I'm running out of here, not just walking. It's a terrible idea for me to buy your CPA firm. So uh, yeah, an analysis can be done. Uh, don't do it alone. Uh, heating, air conditioning is your thing. It's not mine, but valuation is our thing. Michael, thanks for that question. Good luck to you and congratulations on thinking about running your own business there. I think we need more people like you. Next one comes from Janet and Janet's in Federal Way. She says, by the way, she's one of our younger listeners. She says, I'm 39 and beginning to invest in stocks on my own. I've heard about blue chip stocks. My dad thinks they should form the foundation of my stock portfolio. What's your opinion and what sector of stocks do you think should be in the base? Well, I would think that uh, as a younger person, you know, blue chip stocks in the old days was AT&T and IBM and Exxon and those kinds of companies. And basically that formed the biggest holdings in the 
S&P 500 or the Dow or anything like that. But along came the NASDAQ, and I think the NASDAQ is interesting. I often tell young people, which stock should I buy? Well, you shouldn't, unless you have a particular stock that you really think is awesome and and know why, uh, you might want a cross-section of cool stocks. For instance, if you bought the NASDAQ, which uh, is QQQ, your top top nine or ten holdings are Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, Facebook, Google, NVIDIA, PayPal, and Intel. I would think as a young person, you go, oh, I give all of those people money. I use all of those products. And yeah, probably. And so maybe that would be a good place to start. And that would be if you are thinking that the tech sector is going to outperform long-term other sectors. So that's one way to get in the stock market without having to do any research. Just buy the QQQ on the more blue chip. If you say, yeah, but I kind of want more of a blue chip. Okay, buy the S&P 500. That that will be similar holdings, but you'll have more. You'll have a Johnson Johnson thrown in there and maybe a Home Depot or, you know, you'll have more other kinds of companies like that. So either the S&P 500 or the the, uh, NASDAQ would be a great place to start as an investor. Janet, thanks for listening to us. You sound like a smart young lady. Our final question today comes from uh, Richard, and Richard listens to us in Bellevue. He writes, I'm considering an annuity for some safe money in retirement. I have about $250,000 to put into that annuity. I have two questions. What type of annuity can I buy that will guarantee income for life? And if I change my mind, how long after I've made the purchase can I back out or can I? That's a great question. So what we deal with for that is called a fixed index annuity. And generally, the ones that have lifetime cash flow have a 10-year surrender charge. If you purchase an annuity, this is money that you're saying, I don't need to access the principal of for the rest of my life. I want to convert this into monthly checks like a pension. And uh, so that would be the purpose of that. So you'd have to have a financial plan. You know, before I'd even sell anybody like that an annuity, I'd say, well, wait a second. What else do you have? Is this all your assets? I'm not going to sell you an annuity then because you may need liquid assets. Uh, You need liquidity and growth. Annuities don't do that very well. They do cash flow and security well, but not liquidity and growth. So we got to make sure that's covered too. So it's interesting that the way you asked the question there was this is without a financial plan. And so I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't sell them anything, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. But if after I did a financial plan, uh, this was the conclusion, then which annuity and, and what's my liquidity options? To avoid the surrender fee, you can take up to 10% a year out, but don't get into it if you ever even think you're ever going to need that money. Don't do an annuity in the first place. But if you think that you have everything, all your other bases covered and you want that guaranteed lifetime cash flow, maybe second to die with your spouse, great. We'll take a look at that uh, different annuity options that can pay that, knowing that you don't intend to surrender that ever. So, Richard, if you don't have a plan, get a plan. And by the way, if you have at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, you can get that plan. With Madrona Financial, contact them to get your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation plan. That number, 844-MADRONA. You can also visit them online at madronafinancial.com and request your plan from there. Out of time for this week. Brian, thank you for your time. Thank our listeners for their time. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out there. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. This is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPA and host of the Growing Your Wealth radio show. If you're close to or in retirement and don't have a tax plan, get one. It could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your retirement. Our country has been spending like never before, and that tax bill is coming. At Madrona Financial Services, we help build tax strategies into retirement and investment plans designed for you to help keep more of your gains. 
Take action and call us at 844-MADRONA to schedule a retirement tax analysis today. That's 844-MADRONA. After World War II, taxes reached 90% and were as high as 70% in the 80s. Don't be caught off guard. You can retire right and on your terms. Call to schedule a virtual or in-person review. Our number is 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. At Madrona Financial Services, we believe you should never worry about running out of money in retirement. Retirement should be spent doing what you love with the people you love. The CPAs and financial advisors at Madrona Financial Services want you to know that with proper financial planning, that's exactly what you can have. Their goal is to do everything they can to help you achieve a financially secure future. They have many tools and ways to help you reach your retirement goals, from guaranteed lifetime income streams and protection against market losses to alternative real estate investments and strategies to minimize your taxes. With the Madrona Bundle of Services, they have everything you'll need to plan for retirement under one roof. So schedule your complimentary meeting today and get back to enjoying your retirement. Call 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. They'll arrange a meeting at one of their three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future at madronafinancial.com.